Hi, this is Kate Bosworth. I'm with my dog, Happy, on the Horror Squad podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast. This is episode number 241. Tonight, we're talking about 2022's Day Shift, which is currently streaming on Netflix. I'm one of your co-hosts. We have Todd, Joe, Steve, boys. We also have an interview. Who we got? We do. We do. I had the pleasure of interviewing uh, actress Kate Bosworth, who you guys might know, I guess, best for Lois Lane, I guess, from Superman Returns. And she was also in 21. That's what I know her best from. I know her best Um, from, um, now it's escaping me, but the surfing movie. (laughs) Blue Crush. Crush. Blue Crush, yep. Yes. That's right. Um, but you horror fans will know her best from uh, the Straw Dogs remake, as well as uh, Before I Wake, and I'm missing others, I know. But yeah, she's been she's been in uh, quite a few horror movies, but she came on to promote The Immaculate Room, which is her new thriller slash drama starring uh, her and Emile Hirsch, which I will be reviewing on What Watch later. But she was an absolute delight. I think it was one of my favorite interviews I've ever done just because she was so nice, so warm, so welcoming, and she gave great answers, very detailed, and uh, she even interviewed me at the beginning of the podcast. I don't know if Steve kept that in or not, but uh, stay tuned, and you'll hear it all. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, they cut a lot of that out, I think, because it started okay. mid-conversation, but uh, oh, if you stay right. tuned to the bumper, maybe you'll get a little bit of extra interview action from before the interview started, so lovely cool. yeah <laughs> all right so you want to get uh, right into it since we're short on time this week what watch so joe just yes. tell us the, the immaculate room all right yeah. well yeah let's get right into it yeah so uh i re- uh, they sent us a screener for the immaculate room which is actually available now it just released friday on vod so the immaculate room is about basically they send couples or two people into this room and if you can serve, and if you can last, I believe it was 50 days, they will pay you $5 million. Sounds simple, right? But it's just a completely white blank room, no TV, no con, no contact with the outside world whatsoever. And it's a complete psychological experiment, essentially. I don't want to give anything else away, really, but some crazy stuff does happen. I will say it definitely falls more along the lines of a thriller rather than a horror movie, but there is definitely some genre tones in there. Overall, I actually really enjoyed this one. Uh, Fantastic acting from Bosworth and Emil Hirsch. To me, Emil Hirsch was definitely the standout, though. He, He gave just an amazing performance. And yeah, I mean, I, so I rated it three and a half out of five on Letterboxd. So I think it was, it was like, it was very good. Sam, I think liked it even more than I did, but I would definitely recommend it. It, It's a, it's a really good watch. And if you're into, you know, like I said, psychological thrillers and just, you know, isolation and stuff like that, I would definitely recommend it. Sweet. I know you uh, normally do this at the end of the episode, Joe, but since we're right into it, why don't you tell them about the uh, tickets? Just went on sale. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, so our event with Omri Katz, of course, which is coming up October 22nd. You'll hear it all in the bumper later, all the details from Omri himself. But tickets did just go on sale today. Now, will they still be available Friday when you hear this podcast? We don't know. Hopefully for you guys, they will be. But um, they did go on sale. So all you have to do is go over to uh, Cinema Salem's website, which I believe is cinemasalem.com. And uh, you can get tickets 
But if you missed out, join our Discord because we let our Discord members know early before they went on sale to the general public. So uh, that is definitely the best way to keep up, most up to date with the podcast. But we are super excited and hope to see you all there. Me, Todd, Steve, and Sam, we will all be there and uh, we're super excited for it. Absolutely. All right. My first one is from 2021. So last year it's the deep house. And this one is about a group of like urban explorers. They do like, you know, YouTube videos of, Hey, this is a abandoned hospital or shit like that. And they post it. They happen to be scuba divers and they find a house in a French lake that is uh, supposedly perfectly pres- uh, preserved. So to get those likes and those views, they, they dive and they go in. Of course, they're picked up by some random dudes like, I know where the house is. He's not, he doesn't talk like that. He's French, but I can't do the French accent. I know where the house is, I, but it's not going to be on any map. I'll take you to it. And of course, he's kind of shady. He's looking at the girl change, like in her wetsuit, things like that. But lo and behold, they go down and they start swimming around and they have an hour of air and then ghostly apparitions start happening. Uh, they find like a, a group of bodies just strung up in the house, perfectly preserved. And there's like hooked to chains, things like that. And I'll leave it at that. It was overall an average movie. I really like the setting, like underwater house. It's cool. Like this, I don't think that's been done before, but I cannot stand the male lead, man. Like every, especially in the beginning, every other like line was about getting likes on Facebook and YouTube. And it's like, Hey babe, this is the next million dollar view or Hey, we're going viral. Like, dude, shut up. Like, I couldn't stand it. Of course, like in the very beginning of the movie, the girl's practicing holding her breath and like, hey, how long did you hold it for? Three minutes. And you're like, oh, that's good play part later in the movie because then they mention it again in the middle. Hey, remember, you can hold your breath for three minutes. Like we get it, dude. So the deep house, I give it a, I still give it a solid three out of five. Wouldn't have made my top 10 last year, but you can definitely do worse. I don't remember where I watched that from. Let me click quickly. Look, it is over on Amazon Prime for the US. So the deep house. Very cool. Um, so my first one this week is one that Todd recommended uh, that I checked over on uh, Shutter, and it's 2022's Moloch. So this is a uh, Dutch film from the Netherlands, and this one, uh, a family are like kind of just living their lives, and all of a sudden there's this really like creepy person that's stalking their house, and eventually goes into the house and starts kind of acting really weird with them. At first they think it's just like this crazy guy but eventually they start realizing that there's more to it. Meanwhile, there's a team of scientists who are working nearby because they found uh, bog bodies, Uh, bog bodies being bodies that are preserved by mud. So they're starting to find a lot of these in this big field. And uh, as the woman from the family and the head scientist meet at a bar, they start realizing that maybe there are two kind of situations are colliding somehow. And uh, that's kind of what the story's about. Uh, it's a slow burn film. It it has a lot of like kind of folktale type stuff that uh, I personally really like. Super well shot, well acted. Uh, I was interested throughout the whole thing. It's got some good scares and they're like earned scares. They're not like jump scares just for the sake of doing them. There's some scenes in there that really like stuck with me. Like it, uh, it's almost like hereditary type situation where the more I was thinking about it after, the more it was like sticking with me. So I really liked that about it. And something that I th- I thought was really cool is A, they stick the landing at the end, in my opinion. And B, there are things that seem inconsequential early on in the film that just seem like stuff that they're doing for, you know, filler or, you know, just to add substance to scenes and stuff. But you realize at the end that it was something that was actually important to you know the final twist and what happens at the end so it's actually really interesting that way 
Now, is it a perfect film? No, of course, it has its issues. There's some characters that I feel that are a bit shallow. I wish they expanded on a few of the plot points and stuff like that. But overall, uh, this is currently a top 10 for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Now, is it going to stay there? I don't know. You know, it's still early in the year. It's not like a top five. It's like somewhere between six and 10. But I think it's one that uh, people should definitely check out, especially you, Joe. I think this one uh, is really in your wheelhouse. So that's Moloch over on Shutter. It's on my list for sure. I'm excited to check that one out. All right. Um, my uh, last one for tonight is I wanted to talk about Nope because I wasn't on the episode. So I just wanted to give my thoughts. I will do a spoiler free because I know obviously a lot of you guys probably haven't seen it yet. And those of you that haven't probably didn't listen to that episode yet. Uh, so yeah, initial thoughts on Nope. I overall loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It was not what I was expecting, like whatsoever. It takes a turn that I definitely did not see coming, which I thought was great and very unique and inventive. So that was really cool. The sound design is amazing. The cinematography is amazing. I mean, Peel knows how to make a movie. That is, I don't think there's any debate on that whatsoever. He is now, to me, three for three on movies. It was definitely one of my favorites uh, of the year so far. It's teetering. It's teetering right now between one and two. I think uh, I've seen it three times now. I will say, I think seeing it in IMAX is a whole different experience. So if they ever re-release it in IMAX, I could not recommend enough trying to see it on the biggest screen possible because the whole theme Peel does in this movie is spectacle. And my God, he completely made that movie a spectacle on the IMAX screen because it was one of the best theater experiences I've ever had in my entire life. Um, that's how amazing it was. I mean you know 70 percent of the movie was in full imax and it was fucking mind-blowing um especially during some of the scenes when you're looking up into the sky it, it really felt like you're on the ground looking up it was it was quite mind-blowing um my biggest complaint i guess about the movie is you know i without spoiling i'll just say the tmz scene i i really disliked that scene and it and uh that was a total like killer scene for me. It was like way too on the nose. And Peel, I feel like is better than that because he is very good about being subtle with his um, messages and metaphors and stuff like that. But that one was not subtle like whatsoever. And it, I just did not like that scene at all. But my God, there's so many other amazing scenes in this movie, particularly one that happens in the house at night involving blood, which, and I'll leave it at that which was probably the best scene in the entire movie. And I mean, there's legit creepy parts throughout and the Gordy, the whole Gordy stuff was amazing and chilling to the bone. It's my second favorite Peel movie. I still think Get Out was his best, but this was, this, uh, this was just a complete swing and it could have been a miss because man, he fucking, he really went out there with this one, but I think he pretty much knocked it out of the park. So uh, big recommend from Nope from me. Just a note, a couple notes on Nope. Number one, I just saw today that it's coming out on VOD the day this episode releases. Um, oh, nice. So everyone's going to get a chance to check it out. And number two, when we reviewed it, I had just seen it like an hour prior. And I just had so many amazing conversations with people on Discord about the movie like after that. And also with one of my buddies, Zach, from the Don't Be Crazy podcast. And a lot of the stuff I said in the podcast, I feel differently about now. You know, he ex he explained like the shoe part super well and i really loved his explanation so i i love that now which i didn't like originally whereas i there's things that i liked originally that i don't like now for example like how the whole thing is about 
don't fuck with animals essentially because you know they can kind of turn on you you can't tame essentially a wild beast but it, the heroes of the film are people who've made a living you know using animals for entertainment so it's like I don't know. It's, it's just like a lot of different feelings. So it's one of those movies that we could almost re-review and I'd have a totally different thought about it. So yeah, amazing movie. And check out that episode. It was, Todd and I talked like a solid hour about it. So it was a, it's a good one. I didn't even think about the horse angle of them doing the same thing that it's preaching against. Interesting. Yeah, we can easily do another episode of that. Anyway, um, my next one is a 2020 movie called Alone. It's a uh, zombie movie. Um, this is from the same writer, writer that did Hashtag Alive from also the same year. So I think this is kind of a loose remake, but I don't know if it was marketed like that. But either way, same exact plot. A dude is trapped in an apartment building alone uh, during the zombie apocalypse. He's going to kill himself. But wait, he spots someone across the way at the other apartment. Oh, she happens to be a cute blonde. Let's stay alive. The whole time he's trying to figure out like how to get more food, how to get over to her or her to him. They have a budding uh, romantic relationship over walkie talkies, things like that. What sets this one apart from Hashtag Alive, which I think is by far the superior film, is the zombies, man. They have this really cool effect that the zombies talk over and over again uh, about the last thing they did before they died. So like someone was getting attacked and he was saying, leave me alone, leave me alone. And he gets killed. Now the zombie, he's got blood everywhere. He's screaming, leave me alone, and chasing after people. And then, like, a girl zombie would be like, um, I don't want to die, but she's screaming at the top of her lungs. So when you have, like, a whole, like, you know, 10 or so zombies in a hallway, they're all screaming something different, and it looks, it's a really cool effect. So the action was really good. I just didn't like... I didn't, I don't think the lead could pull off this source material with the sad stuff. Uh, it just came off as a little bit melodramatic and forced when they're like, you know, whoa, me, we're alone. I, but I love you and shit like that. At one point I was fast forwarding through a lot of that stuff. Cause I just want to get back to the zombie stuff. So I still give it a three out of five. Cause I think there's a lot of good zombie stuff in here, but if you've seen hashtag alive, I don't think you would like this one more because hashtag alive did everything this film did, but better. And it's weird because it's the same exact writer from the same year. So maybe you got like a package deal, one American, one Korean. But anyway, Alone is over on Tubi. It, it was packaged uh, or marketed as a remake of... Oh, was it? At the yeah. same exact release time? It's weird. Yeah, it's because it took a while for Hashtag Alive to re- release. So by the time it released, then this one was like already kind of done. So what you're saying. Yeah. I think it's one of those that like the pre-screening got him the american version or something Got him so. the money. So, yeah cool yeah so my last one is a, still a 2022 film it's also on shutter and it's alone with you so this movie is about a woman who is stuck in an apartment alone and uh, at first everything's normal you know she's kind of just chilling waiting for her girlfriend to come back and having some wine talking to her mom but then things start kind of start acting weird in the apartment first of all uh it's like nighttime but when she videos her mom it's like daytime and they live in the same time zone so that weirds her out but she thinks maybe like the building put a sheet in front of her window to do some kind of fumigation or something and then she tries to go out the front door but the front door is like jammed but there's history of her front door jamming so she kind of chalks it up to okay it's just jammed so well that I can't get out and then there's a bunch of other stuff that just kind of starts being weird and she realizes that there's something off about everything and the whole movie is spent with her basically trying to figure it out calling different people who are starting to act weird and weirder every time she contacts them texting her girlfriend and then she starts piecing together kind of like what's going on 
This one is, it's a good, it's like a short film. So, well, not short film, but short for a feature length movie. It's only an hour 20, which is nice, especially for a movie like this. That's mostly one location. Like she doesn't really leave her apartment much, except for a few like visions and dreams that she has throughout the film. There's like this uneasy tension throughout the entire movie, which was really cool. A few like, okay, scares kind of thrown out throughout the movie. The one thing I will say that's really good about this movie is the star's performance. Emily Bennett, who plays the main girl that's stuck in the apartment, I think it might be my favorite performance from a female this year. It's between her and Kiki Palmer from Nope. It's kind of a toss-up. The only thing is that her, she's really carrying this movie kind of on her own because she's, you know, alone for the majority of the film. So I really got to give her props on this. Very amazing performance. She's actually also the co-director and co-writer of the film. So I actually wonder if this was a, a COVID thing because it's all like within one location. And it's a kind of clever way to do a film, you know, during the COVID, you know, time, stuff like that. My issue with it is... Uh, the ending, A, was a little predictable. Not the exact way it happens, but kind of the ballpark of what was going on. I don't feel that it, like, really encapsulated everything really well. Like, it didn't, it wasn't an earned ending, in my opinion. And it, even though it was only an hour, 20 minutes, it did feel a little long at times because there's a lot of her just kind of sitting, drinking wine, figuring things out and stuff like that. But uh, I think it's worth at least a one-time watch. So that's Alone With You over on Shutter. So before we go to trivia, let's uh, hear from our buddy, Omri, and talk about the event and all that stuff. It's me, Omri Katz, a.k.a. Max from Hocus Pocus. Just here to let you know I'm going to be in Salem, Massachusetts on October 22nd at the Silver Moon Comic Store starting at 1 p.m. I'm going to be signing some autographs and meeting fans and whatnot. And then after that... There's going to be a special screening and a Q&A hosted by the Horror Squad podcast at Cinema Salem. So I really look forward to seeing you guys there and don't miss it. All right. So for the overall total, it's me hanging on to the lead with 40. Joe on the butt, 39. Steve with 32. Yeah. But for the quarter, yeah. we are at <laughs> Joe winning the quarter so far. Actually, Joe and Steve are tied in the quarter of five apiece with me right behind them at four. Oh, boy. It's heating up. So it feels, now, yeah, I feel bad now because I wrote three fucking like, so I didn't get any questions from people this week. So I wrote three super easy ones. Yes. <laughs> so, like, uh, so I'll, I'll start, I guess. All right. So three different types of questions. I'll go with what I think is the easiest one of them. So this is uh, based the movie uh, based on the reviews. So these are reviews I found on Letterboxd describing this movie. They're vague at first, but get a little bit easier as they go. So there's three of them. First one, one of those movies you won't understand, but then you'll watch YouTube breakdowns, present the best points as your own, and be seen as a film genius to your friends and family. <laughs> this is where it's, it's, I think it's revealing. Yeah. Don't look up at me while I'm sucking you either. Oh, it's no, fucking nope. Uh, nope. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Todd got it. And the last one, all I took from this is that if Curious George were real, he'd be a fucking menace. <laughs> don't fuck with chimps man yeah i'll get you all right i'm up so dave franco co-starred in the movie we're going to review shortly mm -hmm. name dave franco's two other horror credits this is the end does that count nah <laughs> okay it's not the one you had in mind no. i don't was that uh, be a horror movie and yeah, we'll debate that later the rental mm. 
Okay. I didn't have that on there, but sure. Yeah, I know it is. It yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, the a, rental. It's a, it's a decent one, too. He, he is in that, right? Yeah. yeah I think so. I think wife. he's in it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. The rental. We got one on the board that, that I will accept. I, I don't remember him. Dave all. Franco? In in a horror. Like, I remember him in, like, frat movies, but. He is in a movie we covered within the last two years. Really? Ooh. Yeah. A fairly um, popular one. And it was a holiday episode. Ooh. Specifically, get ready, get ready, <laughs> Valentine's Day. Really? My Bloody Valentine remake? Incorrect. No, wasn't in that. Oh my gosh. Um, is he in um, uh, Warm Bodies? Correct. Yeah. I don't remember you know, Warm no, Bodies. No one gets the point because you guys <laughs> yeah, didn't no say too. Yeah. Right. Get well, out of here. What was the other one? Fright Night remake. Uh, which I don't yeah, remember I, being in there, but I was going through I, I had that in my head, but I'm like, no, that was Anton <laughs> Yelchin, so... Damn. Maybe he's in there. Yeah. All right, Joe. Should have should have just said it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Right, I do that a lot. I, I hold things out <laughs> like for not to look stupid, and then yeah. like, it turned out it was true. Yeah. Not to do it, Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. Yes, right. I did that one. <laughs> Conan. All right, my first one. <laughs> my first one is a tagline. Oh shit! And it's I will say, '80s horror. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's crazy. <laughs> is it Killer Clowns from Outer Space? It is Killer yeah. Clowns from Outer Space. Nice. <laughs> Why I, would I that be the tagline of all things? <laughs> Taglines never make sense usually. No. <laughs> Stupid. Right. My next question is four clues. Cool. So each of them get kind of bit easier, but I think you'll get it before I finish the four because it's a pretty easy one. First one cannibals second one messed up leg it's the green inferno no third one long journey and the fourth one probably the giveaway cowboys oh no um uh, get it wrong it's a great (laughs) movie get it wrong motherfucker it's that horror, horror western. Is it? Uh, it's not. There. You're completely wrong. You're on the wrong track. Oh, really? No, yeah. the one with Patrick Wilson? That's no, you're thinking. totally wrong, dude. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the name no. of it anyway. Go, so. go ahead, Todd. Bone Tomahawk. Reverse psychology, <laughs> Joe. You're right on it. That's correct. Yeah, Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> Great movie. That's funny because my yeah. next one is like very similar clues to yours. I was like, whoa. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. All right, four clues environmentalists masturbating and awkward oh, c- green inferno correct <laughs> and then we had uh, cannibals and green mm. i hate that movie yeah i didn't like yeah, it either i didn't like it either okay this is an interesting one and one i didn't know until today actually all right so what film was a quiet place initially intended to be a sequel to hmm is it a, like a popular movie? Very popular franchise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cloverfield. Cloverfield is correct. That's a good yeah. One. Yeah, boy. Because the monsters are like similar, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just smaller. Right. Imagine it, that would have been amazing if like they like secretly made that a Cloverfield movie and like yeah. right. that would have been <laughs> cool as hell. All right. This is a regular question. In Ghostbusters two. What's the name of the show that Peter hosts on television? I remember they were talking about Valentine's Day being the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. In like 2015, maybe? Something like that. 
Uh, that around that time. I don't know. Yeah. Finkman. It's a psychic show, but I've... ESP with Bankman. <laughs> you're, you're, you're on the right track. So it was called World of the Psychics. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Final one. In the first Conjuring movie, what is the dad's job? What's his profession? What does he do for a living? I believe he is a some sort of a painter yeah, so you gonna say contractor but some sort of construction worker yeah he is a truck driver okay oh all right well yeah. well shit oh, i just shit. remember a ladder being on the truck yeah way. right exactly <laughs> now i'm questioning myself <laughs> that was a memory question <laughs> I'll check. Uh, all right. is it to me yep yes all righty well I'll look later. all right Three reviews from Letterboxd. Nice. Guess the movie. All right. Number one. What do we learn? Sometimes remakes are better than the source material. I literally have no words of how bad the acting is and how cringy the direction was. You said remakes are better than the source material? Sometimes remakes are better than the source material. Correct. Okay. Number two. The scariest part of this film was Adult Bill's ponytail. Oh, an it? Or an it? <laughs> that is correct. That's a great version. And then the last oh. one was um, and, so uh, the, the last one was unbelievably bad. Imagine if you've seen a few episodes of Twin Peaks and David Lynch turned to you and said, satire what do you mean it feels like a gaudy soap opera with dramatized acting <laughs> what a what it movie was like the original or the remake the original movie? miniseries yeah damn they're hating on it people hate <laughs> on it <yeah>. jeez <laughs> all right that's it i'm gonna do that another one because i'm not sure my my, my was... conjuring one was correct now right. um in the movie alien hmm. what's the name of the spaceship oh god damn this drama L Correct. Nostromo, yeah. yeah. I always try to say LV426. That, that's, that's aliens. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's aliens. I, I'm just, I mentioned this on a Discord, but so I discovered the weirdest thing this morning. I was looking at Stuart Gordon on Letterboxd. I don't remember why. And I have one movie left for his uh, filmography that I really want to complete. And I'm a big completionist on Letterboxd. I am trying to destroy these. And then I see today that there are two. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> he, he's dead. He's not making more movies. So I look it up and they added an aliens attraction so a ride that's uh like screen based so he directed an aliens project starring tony todd and jeffrey combs i thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever it's, it's like eight minutes long it's on youtube and it's not great but it's so cool just the thought that Stuart gordon did an aliens thing with jeffrey combs and tony todd and i never ever heard about this before so crazy I wish I could have. Now I feel gypped because my theme park had fucking SpongeBob as our screen movie. So couldn't believe people got aliens instead. It's crazy. Yeah, it, I watched it too, and it would looked super cool to experience yeah. that for sure. It, it, it's it has this. Those movies all have the exact same beats. It's it's funny, like when you're watching it, that like the dialogue, the way it's done, the the way it turns. It's like it's funny. It's like beat for beat, every other scene. Yeah, almost falling scene. into a pit. Right, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah. at the last second, you know, 
that oh i didn't forget about you guys as you save and the door shuts and like yeah yeah <laughs> it's like star tours it's the same and spongebob was the same and dinosaurs is the same it's, it's crazy yeah for the year i pulled ahead slightly with 43 to joe's 40 to steve's 35 we have plenty of time left we have like what four or five months left what about the quarter I don't want to do the quarter because I don't. I don't want to add it up and be fine. <laughs> Me, Matt, seven, Joe, six, you, Steve, at eight. Cool. Oh, tight. Nice. That's it's right. a tight race. <laughs> very tight. But that's why we do. It. That's why I love about the quarter. It's always going to be usually tight, right? So. <laughs> when does the quarter end? Uh, October first. Okay. All right. We'll call October it. We'll 1st. call it that. Sure. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Day shift. Yes. Yeah. Before we before we do that, I should also mention our event, our other event, because I don't want people to forget about that one. October fifteenth, with Damian Maffei from the Strangers Pray at Night and Haunt. If you can't make the Omni event, come out to that one. Meet uh, Damian from one to five at Silver Moon Comics, also in Salem, Massachusetts. Will Seymour Salem be making an appearance? <laughs> no, he will not. <laughs> yeah, like I'm disappointed. Uh, last year, so much promise. You know, it's oh, going to be like yes. the big thing in Salem, and I don't think he made it so much as an appearance well, this year. He, he's he hasn't made an appearance, but honestly, like there's not many buskers out until uh, October, till late September, early October. But now we have two big events in October, so I'm really going to have like zero time to get out there and uh, and do it. But uh, yeah, wait, oh, you're also, you're Seymour uh, Salem? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> also. If anyone's going to, uh, I know Steve's going to a con this weekend too. If you want to promote that, Steve, but I will be at uh, Silver Scream Con this weekend in Danvers, Massachusetts. So if any of you people local to the area are going to be there, come say hi, shoot me a message, whatever, and uh, we can hang. Yeah, mine's not not actually a horror con. I'm going to Toronto Fan Expo on Saturday, and I'm meeting mostly non-horror people. But they got some. It's a big fucking con, like. They have five cast members from The Boys, the four Hobbits. They have the most of the cast from Sons of Anarchy. They have four or five Stranger Things people, and a bunch of other like big kind of solo names. It's a, it's gonna be a pretty fucking crazy con. So looking forward who to you, seeing. Who are you getting? Uh, I'm a big Sons of Anarchy fan, so I'm gonna focus on that. I think because Charlie Hunnam, who plays Jax, is gonna be there. So to get him on my Sons of Anarchy poster is like you know it's the main character so i'd like to get that other than those though i might get a uh, finn wolfhard i have an it like remake poster that i have signed by the guy who played bill so i'd like to get uh kind of him as well because it's all the kids and pennywise on the poster and then i'll see time remaining you know what i can do i don't know it's uh maybe try to get some of the boys if not some of the stranger things ones I'm really not sure it's expensive they're all a hundred dollars plus each it's yeah. fucking crazy I bet Finn's lines could be fucking insane. Yeah, because he doesn't do these often. It, it's his hometown, so that's probably why uh, he agreed to do this one. And I, uh, it's probably going to be pretty crazy. They also have uh, Vecna. Um, they have Eddie, and they have Chrissy from All Stranger Things Season 4. That's pretty cool. Casper Van Dien probably be there then with his daughter. Hanging out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah so Sweet. Hopefully you guys both have a good time. Thank All right. Day shift 2022, right. directed by Mr. JJ Perry. Some jobs really go for the throat. See that? Tagline makes sense. You know what I mean? All right, that's a good tagline. An LA vampire hunter has a week to come up with the cash to pay for his kids' tuition and braces. Trying to make a living these days, 
just might kill him. It's a weird synopsis, man, honestly. It doesn't say anything. Okay, so Jamie Foxx is our uh, title character. He's a um, pool boy slash vampire hunter. So the movie starts off with him. Um, we think he's like just a pool guy doing his thing. He sees a, a car leave and he breaks into a house. And then he stumbles upon upon a vampire nest and just goes into a, a killing frenzy. So we learn in this uh, early in the story that uh, vampire hunters, they collect vampire teeth and then sell them to either an organization that their profession is killing vampires or like, you know, the pawn shop guy down the street that will we'll buy him as well. So Jamie Foxx, he's kind of a fuck up character. We learned that he's estranged from his wife and he has a daughter that he loves very much, but do that he's like a vampire hunter and he has to make up stories to his wife. So I guess that kind of led to their separation. So she's like, we're moving to Florida. And he's like, come on, like, what if I pay for the braces and uh, private school? And she's like, you have till Monday. He's like, ah, oh. so he has to come up with $10,000. So he goes to Snoop Dogg who is a like respected vampire hunter and Snoop Dogg takes him back to the organization that Jamie Foxx was banned from for fucking up and not following the rules. And he gets him back in there. He's like, Hey, you got to work the day shift and you can if you fuck up once you're out of the organization. Once again, meanwhile, there's a sinister plot with like a head vampirist. She's going around just trying to raise a vampire empire back from the ashes that it once was, I guess, big back in the day. So leave it at that. I went into it completely blind. Didn't know who was in it. What it was about, so I just turned it on Netflix, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I like Jamie Foxx a lot. Um, I also like Dave Franco, who is assigned to him to watch him um, throughout his day to make sure he doesn't do any violations. If he does any violations, he's he's kicked, and he's like like the clean cut, clean cut, like by the numbers, very like um, timid kind of guy. So it's like a buddy cop kind of thing. Overall, I enjoyed this movie. Is it like perfect? Not really. Does it have really cool action? Sure. Does it have really uh, legit funny scenes like when James? Uh, James Frank, no, Dave Franco is attempting to do a squirrel impersonation. Yeah. So overall, I liked it. And I'll talk about my issues a little bit later. Yeah, I didn't know really much about this at all either, other than it had Snoop Dogg in it. Because <laughs> I just saw like a play discussing article that just said Snoop Dogg and Jamie Foxx fight vampires. And I'm like, well, that sounds interesting in and of itself. But I I, I like, I'm a big Jamie Foxx fan myself. I mean, how, like who doesn't like Jamie Foxx, right? Like he just seems like the most likable like actor, like um and snoop dogg's great as well um so yeah i mean i went into this blind as well and overall like i enjoyed it like it was it was definitely fun like it's definitely like just turn off your brain and enjoy it like for what it is type of movie um i mean it definitely has issues and whatnot but you know overall i thought the action scenes were very fun and the acting was good the movie looked good i loved the california setting in this one like i just it just like had a really cool look to it and then yeah i i'll get into my issues later but i, I definitely had a few big issues with it yeah uh so I, I first heard of this it was just like you know new on netflix so i i kind of looked at it and it was the trailer and the trailer starts off where he goes into the house and the grandma like all sweet and stuff comes out and says something then he blasts her across the room with a shotgun and then she starts like contortioning like crazy. And I stopped the trailer right there. I'm like, sold. Okay, I'll watch this. And I recommended it without checking anything else out because I wanted to go in blind. And kind of like you guys, uh, I, had a, I had a blast watching it. There are a lot of really fun things about it. That first scene with him fighting the grandma is actually, I think, the highlight of the movie. And that's also kind of one of my problems is that none of the scenes after that matched how awesome that one scene was. So um yeah, so that was an issue, but we'll talk about the issues later. I love, like you guys, Jamie Foxx is awesome. Snoop Dogg, you know, you know what you're gonna get when Snoop Dogg's in your film. 
but I like I don't think he's a great actor you know he's made some films that he wasn't exactly the best but this is probably one of my favorite roles he's been in because he was really cool in this one I like that they made him kind of this cowboy character and the veteran kind of vampire slayer and stuff like that so that was pretty cool I do think there are some kind of slow times in this film as well but when the action is like really going, it's it's like really fucking crazy. And I think that's because it was directed by someone who does, uh, he's a choreographer and a fight specialist. So that's the, re- if you look at his credits, it's all fight choreography for other movies and stuff like that. So that's probably why it went that way. Uh, I definitely have some issues as well, but overall, I had a good time watching this. Let's hear those issues, man. Um I thought the whole like setup was kind of weak for why he's doing it. Like I get it, but I don't know. It it just seemed like it was a little like the stakes weren't high enough for him with the ten thousand dollar thing. And like his wife's hot. That first scene when she's in there like repairing the floor, I'm like, I like where this is going. But then his daughter, not the best actress. <laughs> like her scenes, especially when she was talking to like the main vampire, you don't scare me. And like oh god <laughs> like no no more dialogue for this kid please I, what's the guy what's the russian guy's name in the pawn shop but oh peter stormare is oh, the actor yeah. i don't remember what he's called yeah. in the movie i, love I don't him. know <laughs> yeah he's he's amazing and everything so i saw him I'm like <laughs> yeah. yes yeah i didn't like the lead vampire too I, I didn't ever find her scary or charming yeah she was pretty but like like fright night jerry he's charming but then he gets fucking psycho you know what i mean like she was just just there like the scene where she uh tortures another vampire and like encases him in concrete i'm like oh that's cool like i'll see more of that ruthlessness but it never i don't know never really did it for me yeah to go back on steve's point i i do the opening scene is the best part of this movie it is really good and it, it does never reach that level like of greatness again and i think and this falls on also one of my biggest complaints of the movie is in that opening scene the vampire that vampire actually felt like threatening and like that he could get he could get like take uh jamie fox character down the rest of the movie i never felt like the vampires were ever a threat like they were just fucking mowing them down like left and right and it just there was never like a time where i felt jamie fox or even like snoop dogg was like in any sort of danger like you know what i mean so that was a big big problem for me also the lead vampire i thought was lame as hell like i just she was not scary. She wasn't threatening like you had just like you just said, Todd. I thought she was lame. And I think that is my biggest problem with movies like this is if you don't have a good villain, you don't have a good movie. Now, this definitely fun to be had. Like there's definitely fun moments here, but with them not having a good villain, it just what could have elevated this could have elevated you know, with a really solid good villain, this could have been like a eight out of ten for me or something like that. You know what I mean? But as it sits, unfortunately, it, it, it drops considerably for me. Yeah, sorry, Steve, I know you're going to go, but you, you know what bugs me is that, like, they become vampires or Dave Franco becomes a vampire, and then now he's, like, a kung fu artist. Like, I was like, what? Like, he was just so timid, and now he's doing fucking flips and, like, slinging around people's backs and doing, like, people's elbows off. And I was like, <laughs> ah. Vampire powers, man. I, I guess. <laughs> I can I can live with that one. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with like what you guys have been saying. Um, like I said before, I did really love that first scene, and you're right. You know, that first uh, vampire, the old lady, he had a hard time killing her, and it almost made you believe that it wasn't as simple as just 
staking him through the heart or whatever you know and he even talks about a whole scene like how you have to kill a vampire it's a more complex process where you have to cut the head and do all this other stuff but then later you have scenes where they just basically shoot him and they're they're dead you know and they can just wander around and cut their heads off later but that's not what they said and that's not what they showed in the first scene so it makes no fucking sense that all of a sudden they could just shoot him in the chest and they're dead you know just a lot of inconsistencies with the way the vampires were portrayed now i get that the first vampire is technically an elder and that's something i actually liked about the movie is that they can tell by their teeth or their fangs what type of vampire they are like there are different classes of vampire and she was an elder but you know because she's an elder and they kill her in the first scene there's nothing later to confront that's like bigger than her or more important and you're right the villain didn't feel like a powerful enough creature to really be worth the whole movie leading up to her you know it's just i wish there was a bigger uber villain that would have just been the most powerful and had the best scene at the end you know so that that was unfortunate i also didn't like those random powers that she would have like she's walking by flowers and they die there's really no point for it like why does a vampire killing flowers you know just by walking only that one scene yeah but i don't know to me it was just like why you know then you have so Dave Franco's character. I, I like Dave Franco. I think he's funny and everything. But I find some of the jokes that they went with was really low-hanging fruit. You know, it's like the pee jokes. Like, come on. That's it's not funny <laughs> to me. I don't know. It was just they overdid it. And it became like a theme throughout the whole movie and everything like that. And I just wasn't digging, I guess, the comedy that they had with him, especially in regards to such like, you know, childish jokes with him. So that's another one of my problems. And uh, yeah, the rest is really cool sequences. I really loved, you know, the big action sequences in this film, especially the first fight. Like I said, I liked the fight with the two brothers. I thought that was a really cool fight. They did some stuff that's totally like unbelievable that there's no way. Like at one point he throws a bullet and the guy yes. just like catched it. Just in the hand, him, hand him the bullet. Hand him the bullet. <laughs> right? Flick him look, the bullet. That doesn't look cool, Todd. I know, but he's doing a fucking, t- like a twirl. Like, yeah, he the... does a super big twirl for absolutely I, no reason. Why isn't the vampire not attacking when he's doing the twirl? Get him, yeah. in, get him when he's doing a twirl. Exactly. Jeez, uh, so it's ridiculous, but it looked cool, you know? Like um, there's another one where uh, Jimmy Fox like twirls his knife, which goes around the guy's head, and then it cuts off the the head. I thought that was super cool. Like there was a lot of really interesting kills in this film, so I appreciated that. But uh, it's a little ridiculous, you know. I like how nobody in this world is alarmed by like gunfights and like open violence in the streets or like a big ass fucking car chase. I just thought that was America. (laughs) It's, I mean, yeah, every other week, but I mean, at least the cops get called. But like, (laughs) she's playing fucking Mario Kart while he's driving like a fucking. Oh, that was so stupid. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, dude. So, so is it a thing that every single car chase in every movie has to go through a door, uh, like a a gate that has that's locked? It's like every single car chase has to do that at least once, or yes. That's crazy. Yes. Arnold you... did it best when he shot it with the shotgun and T2. Yeah, absolutely. And top that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I also feel like um, some like plot lines of this movie weren't like fleshed out or explained well. The biggest one being like, are, like, do people know there are vampires? Like, or like in the real world, or is it like just this underground society that hunts them? Yeah, that would have been nice to have it fleshed out. I, I don't, I don't think they know that. Well, no, they. 
they kind of mentioned it like one of the rules is you have to call the cops after a crime, right? So maybe yeah. the cops are where there's vampires. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah, possible. Yeah. Another thing that's really like I, I didn't understand why this was a thing, but how come why can Dave Franco like reattach his head, but none of the other vampires could? Yeah, that's a killing shot. Yeah, vampires, right, right, exactly. They killed the fucking main girl. All <laughs> right. His head, and also when his head is like chopped off, why does his body suddenly grow a brain and is like working independently from his head? It's not like he's he's yeah. controlling his body. He's like telling his body what to do as if his body suddenly got like AI That's intelligence true. and start like doing its own thing, which made no fucking sense either to me. Right. You know, it'd been cool if Peter Stormare was a villain and not the girl. Peter Stormare is such a great actor. Like to you, use him yeah. in such a small role is almost a shame. Like, yeah, because yeah. he played he was great in Constantine as a devil, like cool ass villain. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it kind of had the too much of the sappy. Like this is clearly going to work out for everybody ending. And then Dave Franco, it's okay that he's a vampire now, just because he's nice. Right. Yeah, they're nice and, vampires. They, and the, they yeah, the girl, the girl for too. Yeah. No reason really. Right. And like this yeah. motherfucker in the apartment when Jamie Fox walks by and this fucking guys eyeing him through the window I'm like that guy's clearly a vampire dude what are we doing and then of course, yeah. two scenes later he's on a car chase <laughs> mm-hmm. what another thing uh that i i don't know if it ever came back to it maybe i missed it but like there was this whole scene where like they were they go into like this nest house and dave franco mentions like how all these vampires are living together that shouldn't be was that ever fleshed out like later in the story like and explained or was mm-hmm. that just kind of like a thrown away kind of. Yes and no. They didn't really go to a place with it that was interesting. You know, it's kind of like they're just <laughs> right. working together. Yeah. Well, I think she she explained that as part of her plot to get vampires back in LA, uh, okay. restart the empire, and then go from there. Because in the right. in the lore of this movie, the humans used to worship them until they rebelled. Mm. Yeah, I, I did like the whole like you hunt them to for their fang storyline for sure though i thought that was cool like how they get the money for the different uh elder fangs and stuff like that but i just wish they like uh touched on i guess like all the different types of vampires too like it's kind of mentioned but you never really know which ones they're fighting at any like one time or the other yeah i I, I mean i don't know i almost feel like they should have done a warriors type thing where you could Mm, you could tell which like clan each vampire is just by visually what they look like or what colors they're wearing because that would have been sick dude yeah i think that's what they should have done is have them have really unique personalities so you you kind of care more about what kind of vampires are around and what kind of vampires are fighting and oh shit that's an elder oh shit that's like you know whatever it's uh like the set they said southern vampire so put them all in cowboy hats and boots yeah you know why not you know just make them somehow visually distinguishable from each other but no they all look the same so who cares what they were really yeah dude these guys would have been fucked though if they went after celine from oh shit underworld movies (laughs) yeah Yeah, underworld yeah (laughs) she would have rocked them yeah (laughs) i did love big bertha like that was (laughs) that snoop dogg's uh, gun when he just like yeah that was so (laughs) fucking cool (laughs) that that was surprising to a snoop dogg because i i thought it was gonna be like in a way it was gimmicky 
but I thought it was gonna be like cringy gimmicky and it wasn't he yeah. was actually pretty smooth and I liked it yeah. and then all the girls are like call me and shit when he's walking by in the, the clubhouse that's pretty funny okay but here's my question what the fuck did he have strapped to his chest that he was able to survive and then come out at the end like I'm like what how the fuck did he survive I thought he had a bomb on his chest or is that just like add to the gimmick of just like it's goofy shit it's goofy shit you don't have to explain it <laughs> yeah it's like the mystery of Snoop Dogg <laughs> you know, like, yeah yeah his, his marijuana regenerates Gosh. him or something <laughs> you know? yeah exactly. he, he gains an inch of hair every time he dies and that's why it's almost like down to the floor right. like a Dothraki yeah exactly uh, let's see anything else with this movie yeah like so i loved the two brothers that uh come into the story but they're just kind of brought in and brought out without just almost just to have more people to do badass scenes in that one hive scene which didn't make sense to me like what was their deal in any way like they bring them in like these big competitors but then they finish the job and they just kind of drive off you don't see them anymore so that, that was weird yeah. to me like why that's yeah. yeah that's like a lot of this movie yeah like, exactly it's like it's like ideas but like nothing really uh fleshed out like whatsoever i i did i like the brothers too because like the one of the brothers is from shameless which is like a really oh really <laughs> he's one of the main characters yeah i think this movie would have worked in and i brought up briefly in the chat uh the movie bright from a few years ago will smith's that movie like had it was cool like a lot of concepts but wasn't really fleshed out and like you guys said i think the same problem with this movie so i think it would work perfectly in that whole universe like netflix should do like a supernatural theme thing where you got vampires and werewolves and orcs and all that shit just living living together yeah so that would be cool if they want to like go that route i think they could do it for sure uh, actually another thing i wrote down that was a cool idea that they never brought back is in the very first fight she pukes like this black substance and he has to use this special like powder to remove it from himself they never do that again that that was one scene it was just and, to show jamie shirtless yeah basically so it's another <laughs> one of those ideas that was cool like what what's that oh what are they puking like what why the special salt where does he get it you know all that no just, he made it, it himself but <laughs> <laughs> no but i think that was probably for two reasons to set up Jamie Foxx's shirtless scene and then to shut up uh, set up a joke with the butthole and Dave Franco's character which <laughs> went nowhere either exactly <laughs> yeah except yeah. he's like I got it in my butthole but that was it I'm like what happened I would that's like, it yeah nope we're done no we moved on Todd done. <laughs> right? okay yeah. dang we're gonna do squirrel squirrel noises now which I loved I'm not gonna lie and I love the pissing pants gag I, I thought it was funny uh, yeah, did yeah, I shit I... my did I shit my pants <laughs> yeah it did that one didn't do much for me no <laughs> One of one of my favorite bits was uh, where he knew all of the Twilight uh, movie names, and then they were right. talking about the baby and Twilight. That was one of my favorite little uh, funny moments. But I, I do agree. I for the most part, I didn't feel like the I felt like the comedy was like hit or miss. And I didn't really touch on this, but Todd did the. I think the child actor was, oof, pretty rough, yeah, <laughs> and that line so, delivery oof. at times. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm, afraid of you. Another, like, this is kind of, I don't know, maybe this is a really a nitpick issue, but so the final room that they're in, like the temple, to me, looked too much like a set. Like, I was very conscious that this looks like a movie set mm. or like a theater yeah. set and not like an actual temple that they would be in. I don't know. It just, the way it was constructed was too conveniently, like, perfect. And that almost took me out of it, which is weird. I don't know why it, that's the first thing I saw when I went there. Like, holy shit, this looks exactly like it's just some set that they built. So, yeah. 
This was actually a directorial debut, which actually mm-hmm. was pretty impressive. Actually, he he did a pretty good job. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you guys like me though? With like this action, it looks really cool, but then at a point, it starts getting boring. I mean, the action itself, like the three action scenes, right? The beginning, the middle, and the end were really like the highlights of the film for me. But the filler was boring, yeah. right? Um, but even the last action, like the action in the last scene, it was almost like too much. Like I was okay, let's finish this movie. Let's wrap it up already. So, yeah, I guess because I didn't care about the story. Like I wasn't invested at all about him getting the money for his daughter's braces. <laughs> like it just wasn't an interesting ending for me. So I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't care enough. You know, that's the problem, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, the last thoughts. No. Yeah. This is what happens when we all don't love a movie. It's like, eh. <laughs> like our, our nope one would have been like three hours long if Joe was on well, it. Too. It wasn't exactly a deep <laughs> fucking movie either, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So Dave Franco and that vampire chick are now vampire lovers. I'm gonna take it. He hopes so. I don't know if she does. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, they can't poop or pee, so I guess they can't do other things. <laughs> yeah, that's something new. Yeah. <laughs> well, because right. is it because they can't eat? Like in uh, what we do in the shadows, like they just regurgitate whatever. Yeah, but food they're they still have? having sex though in shadows. So can they? Yeah, oh, they're they're having plenty they're, of sex on shadows. A lot of sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Guess rate it. Let's do it. All right, I'll start us off. Yeah, I I like I said, I do think this is actually a fun movie. Like I, you know, we maybe were pretty negative on it, but I do think it is definitely a fun one-time watch. Turn off your brain and just enjoy it for what it is. It is like a solid action horror comedy style movie. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10. Like I said, the, the lame villains drag it down. And for me, big time. I'm a little higher. I think it was really fun. It's stupid as fuck, and we uncovered some more stuff talking about it. But I'm sticking with a 7 out of 10, 3.5 out of 5. I think it's a pretty solid vampire action movie. It's, I mean, like everything we watch practically, it's in my top 10 for 2022. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm exactly the same score, a 7 out of 10. I had a lot of fun watching it, and it's one I would maybe even rewatch, you know? And that's saying a lot because uh, I thought the action scenes were fun enough to you know, warrant uh, rewatching. I really like the vampire designs, but we didn't really talk about that. But again, especially the grandmother. And when you have your best scene in the first five minutes, it kind of makes the rest of the movie like you're comparing it to that first scene and it never quite reached that level. So that's a it's a shame. But they had a lot of cool kills and a lot of fun stuff. So I do I do recommend it. It's also currently my top ten, but it's it's like number nine right now. So I don't think it'll last very long. But still I think it's uh, at least a worthy you know, check out on Netflix. Yeah, it's probably the highest body count we've had in a movie this year. Yeah, it's it's definitely up there. Until Halloween ends, comes out. Ooh, yeah. We'll see. If they stick with the Halloween kills yeah. formula. I'm really, really intrigued by this Halloween ends. I'm, I've heard some theories <laughs> that are very, very interesting. So we'll see. It's all a dream? We shall see. No, I hope not. No, I mean, I'm here. I, I keep, I mean, the, the main uh, thing I keep hearing is a copycat killer. That's like the big, like, uh, thing going on right now on the internet forums. So we'll see. Hear me out. We have an opening scene where Laurie Strode dies. 
but she's not dead. Halloween she wakes... resurrection. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right. She dies, but then she <sighs> she wakes up. We're back in 1978. She's in the hospital after part one, and they remake part two again. Yeah, I mean that'd be cool as hell. I'd be I'd be all in for that. That would retcon all the bullshit from Halloween Kills for sure. Yeah. So I'm gonna ride them, see if they can you know redo it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That'd be awesome. We we got the time jump. Okay. We are in we are in COVID times now. Michael comes down with COVID. He's pretty old. (laughs) And he dies in the hospital from COVID complications. He just dies? That's the movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the end. It, it'd be pretty current. I mean, yeah. Could you imagine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be insane. No, I mean, no, you know what? I don't think that works, though. I think Jamie should die. Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, so her character dies. And then Michael comes up and said, if you had to worn a mask... You would, oh, you would have survived. Yeah. And, oh. and then he winks at the camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the end. Yeah. And it's like brought to you by the World Health Organization. Exactly. What? Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. More all vaccines uh... tonight. <laughs> we'll have a whole yeah. crowd screaming about vaccines. Yeah. And... <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, we're covering it for sure. So, no, for sure. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. All right, guys, that is going to be it for this episode of the Horror Squad podcast. Next week, we are going to be reviewing Glorious. It is streaming currently over on Shutter, so go and check it out and be ready for next week's episode. Don't forget also our event with Omri Cats. Tickets are now on sale over at uh, cinemasalem.com. I keep getting asked, so I'll tell you right now, you do not need tickets for the signing at Silver Moon Comics from 1 to 5. You only need tickets for the screening at 7 o'clock if you want to see us do... uh, the screening uh, the screening and the q a with omri following the screening you will definitely need tickets for that other than that make sure you follow us on discord that is definitely the best way to keep up with all things horror squad podcast just send any of us or our social medias a message facebook twitter instagram the horror squad podcast and we will send you a link to our discord and yeah i think that is it and the interview and we'll see oh, oh don't forget i'm sorry don't forget our interview with Kate Bosworth coming up immediately after my voice here. Uh, it was a great interview. Check out The Immaculate Room. It was a really good movie. Um, we talk a little bit about it, spoiler-free, of course, so you can hear some uh, thoughts on Immaculate Room. We also talk Straw Dogs, uh, Before I Wake, and The Domestics as well, so stick around for that as well, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. See ya. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Horror Squad podcast, where today we are joined by a very special guest. You may know her best from her roles in Blue Crush 21 and Superman Returns, but us horror fans will know her best from the remake of Straw Dogs, Before I Wake, and The Domestics. Today, she is here to talk to us about The Immaculate Immaculate Room, which hits select theaters and video on demand August 19th. Please welcome actress Kate Bossworth. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Very excited. Talking about all the spooky things. (laughs) 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 My boyfriend and I were a part of, we did, we did a horror movie together last year and we, it's like hilarious to meet on something like that because you're like forever now we like have a, uh, we always laugh about things that are spooky and scary. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, which horror movie is that? Is it out yet? um it 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 hasn't come out gosh I'm not even sure it's um it either has come out or it's coming out um I know a lot of the reviews are just coming out I'm so Joe to be honest I'm so terrible 
at like monitoring <laughs> these things. Um, but it's a movie called House of Darkness. Um, and okay. we, yeah, we worked together on this thing and it was, uh, it was, it was wild and it was spooky. All right. Awesome. Definitely. I haven't heard of that one, so I'll definitely have to. We'll definitely yeah, you'll have to, you'll out. have to check it out. It's definitely up your alley. Awesome. Uh, so Kate, why don't you start uh, by telling us a little bit about uh, the Immaculate Room, kind of tell our listeners a little bit what it's about and also how you got involved in the project. Sure. So the movie is, I love this movie first and foremost. And I, after doing this for like 25 years, I can tell you that you don't, big spoiler alert, everybody, you don't absolutely love every, <laughs> the result of every movie you've ever been a part of. You might love the experience, but you may not love, you know, the result. And I, ha I, I say this with all honesty, like I, this is one of my all time favorite experiences. And it's one of my all time fav favorite movies. I'm so proud of it. It's just such a great, crazy, wild ride to watch. And it was a wild ride to be a part of. Um, but it's essentially, it's a psychological thriller. It's about two, a couple, two people, um, myself, who I play a character named Kate as well. So don't be confused when I talk about Kate in the third person. Um, and uh, my boyfriend, Mikey, who is played by Emile Hirsch. And these two characters um, are girlfriend and boyfriend. And they take on this challenge, which is to uh, stay for 50 days in one room. Um, and if they can endure the 50 days together, then they win a prize of $5 million, which sounds like to them a piece of cake. Like, what do you mean? We can hang out for 50 days in a room. Who cares? Like, you know, we'll figure it out and we're going to get a huge cash prize at the end. But the room has different ideas for them. <laughs> and it just plays on like their deepest, darkest secrets, ones that they've never told, you know, another living soul. Um, it plays on their their deepest insecurities, their fears. Um, you know, it's it's really wild. It's super, super psychologically wild. It's like the biggest like mind fuck you've ever experienced, you know. And um, and 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 you just kind of watch this couple just completely unravel. And you're just, I, I don't know. I have to say, it's the first movie I've seen in a long time with an audience. Um, Emil and I went up to the Mammoth Film Festival together and. We, the movie actually ended up winning Best Picture, which is amazing. But it was like the first time that we, I mean, Emil and I were sitting next to each other and we we're like, oh shit, like I haven't like really watched like a movie we've, we've certainly that we've like been in and with an audience in a long time. And everyone was just going so crazy, you know? And it was, it was like, it was so fun for us because like some, like making the movie was crazy, but like watching everyone's reactions and how much fun they were having and how like freaked out they were and surprised and all the things that you hope um, was just really, really cool. Yeah. I, and I, I actually just watched it yesterday and I gotta say, I, I love this one too as well. Like it was just such a nice treat. Um, and I mean, both you and Emil were just fantastic. I, Emil's, uh, delivery in this movie was fantastic <laughs> and yeah like that my favorite scene in the entire movie is a comedic scene with him where he's yeah. reading the t-shirt label I mean that is just so good but oh uh, the yeah he's oh. so funny I mean this is yeah. the thing I love so much about Emil is that he's like he's he's one of the most brilliant dramatic actors we have I mean everyone knows that yeah. from Into the Wild um but he's also like so wonderfully weird and so like fantastically funny and I think that this role almost out of 
all of the roles he's ever done showcases like all of those things so beautifully. Like he's brilliant in this movie. I loved, I, I always say like Emil is truly, he's one of the very rare actors who is truly incapable of a false moment. Like he will find the honesty in every single breath he takes in every second and every swing. And so when you're, when you have the opportunity to like act with him, you're also on the ride of like utter honesty, because if, if you, if you're not, it like falls like a big fat thud on the floor. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, Oh, that, that, that sucked. That wasn't honest, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, it's just, it's truly such a, um, it's such a treat to work with a meal. I've worked with them once before and I hope we work together lots. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I hope you guys do too. Cause the chemistry between the, the two of you was, was just fantastic in this movie and it just oozed throughout the entire movie. So hope, hope to see you guys in more. Oh, thank you so much. I yeah. hope so too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously a big part of this movie is the complete isolation from the outside world. Um, so to prep for this movie, did you like try to simulate that at all? I mean, we just kind of, you know, it was the craziest thing. It was, this is really the, wasn't the first movie, but it was probably the most intensive experience of like full-blown pandemic movie. Um, in, in that we were shooting in LA and <clears throat> there was like a very coordinated safety protocol of like shields and masks and groups A couldn't be with group B and C had to stay outside. It was, it was pretty wild. Um, so I think that we all kind of felt like, and I'm sure almost everyone in the world felt this way. Like there was a lot of life imitating art in that we were all sort of like bound to one space together and it was super challenging for a lot of couples and it was a real kind of make or break for a lot of people and um very psychologically challenging and so I think we kind of felt like the preparation was just in what was happening in the world in many ways yeah um but but it was you know I think I think Emil and I probably entered that room similarly we, we we shot almost perfectly in chronological order other than day one because Emil was coming from another another movie so Ashley and I had to like uh, take take day one over but other than that it was it was chronologically shot which isn't always the case in fact it's rarely the case but for something like this it was super helpful and Emil and I kind of like entered the room the same way that Kate and Mikey entered the room which was like excited and like inspired like ready to take it on and you know had all this great energy and like by the end of it I remember Emil and I just like in these like crazy drab gray you know almost like prison prisoner uniforms like you know the absolute are like their worlds like crumbling like I mean it truly the room starts um sort of mimicking the demise of their you know mental state and it's it, it sort of felt like that by the end we were like every time we had to come into the room, we we're like, Oh God, this, this room again, here we are. You know, it was just like became that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, you know, in many ways, like it was kind of the, like a, the, one of the purest experiences I think Emil and I have experienced, like in such a pleasurable way, like it was he and I diving straight in. Thankfully we have a real history together. So we, we had a foundation of like real trust and friendship and we're ready to go. Um, but Mukunda, who is the wonderful director, South African director and such, such an incredible talent. Um, you know, he had these, um, he had his cameras cause we were really in like one 
it was built one big on a soundstage white immaculate room. It was like, mm-hmm. that was it. There was no, there was no, you know, uh, escaping it. It was like every day, go back to the white room. And so he, and Makunda had to get really clever with how he shot it. Cause I remember asking him this when we were um, sort of just chatting about, you know, the roles and doing a little bit of prep. I was like, how are you going to like keep an audience interested in just like staring at white walls? You know what I mean? I mean, that's like visually hugely challenging. And he was like, I know he's like, Oh my God. He's like, I like, this has been keeping me up at night and there's been so much planning. And like, um, you know, he had his cameras on these like wheels. He's done so much incredible, like commercial work and music video work. And I think he had learned this technique in that world. And that with cameras on wheels, you can, first of all, be super nimble. You can move really quickly, but you can also allow the actors to like move themselves and you don't have to like lay down track and you don't have to you know, or you don't have to have someone just like trying to hold handheld for like the whole movie. And we did a little bit of handheld, but it was only, it was a very specific part of the movie towards the end when he really wanted things to start breaking apart. Um, But other than that, these like cameras were just like wheeled around the room and we were able to move really quickly and make our days. But there was like, there was a certain amount of freedom. I think that everyone felt, you know, first of all, the, the crews weren't able just to like mill around or like, um, you know, like check things, like you have like wardrobe, hair, makeup. And sometimes, you know, everyone likes to take their time. But I think with COVID, it was like, you got to get in and out. And like, then the space is the actors and the director and the, and the DP. And like, there's no one else in the space. And so in that sense, it felt like super personal and, and, and really free. And I think that like Emil and I just really thrived in that, in that environment. That, that's, actually like a great uh segue into my next question because i was going to ask you um as an actor i mean you gave us like the technical aspects Mm -hmm. of the of the challenges that come um with filming a movie like this but as an actor what challenges do you think uh come with filming a movie that's essentially takes place in one single location yeah um gosh you know It was, it it really did parallel like the characters. Like Mm -hmm. um, we, I think a lot of the magic happened because like Emil and I were so locked into each other. And like, I think this is the type of movie where, I mean, it's a, it's a two slash three hander, you know, because Ashley Green's character comes in at a certain point, but, but, but Emil and I had really established like a lot of days before she comes in. So you know, I think these types, this, this type of movie is like make or break with the chemistry between the actors, you know, it's like, do you want to watch these people in this dynamic for, you know, an hour and a half? And um, so I think we really lucked out and that Emil and I, um, we just slipped into such a like effortless, trusted, um, interesting frequency, like immediately. And, um, and Emil and I were like brother and sister and that, like I'm probably more similar to Kate and that I'm have like a little bit more A-type, A-type tendencies, a little bit more structured. And Emil is more like Mikey where he's like more like fluid and like more like has the more of like the kind of artist sort of like brain in that way. And so I think he and I kind of really like tapped into those tendencies like a little bit like on steroids maybe, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In that way. And it just ended up feeling just very very truthful and you could see how these characters like were like never meant to be and then also at the same time sort of like the perfect combo at the same at the same time 
Um, so I, I don't know. It was funny. I mean, it, it, the the room was definitely the backdrop and like really really messed with these people. But ultimately, it really is like a character piece, and it and it's yeah. driven by these two people and their relationship. And I think, um, and the relationship with themselves, by the way, because the room is so confronting that it's like yeah, you, there's there's no escaping your own mind. And I think that's like the real like twisty kind of like acidy part of the movie you know what I mean which is the real trippy part where you're just like you know I, I'm sure a lot of people felt this way in the pandemic where you're just like you go to such like the I call them the um the fringe the fringes you know what I mean like the fringy bits where you're like in, of your own mind we are like oh my yeah. god I don't know if I can take this anymore like, what am I even thinking about anymore who am I like those really existential like yeah. fringy parts of your brain it was like that and then you know on steroids mm. <laughs> So um, I got to ask, do you think you could last 50 days in the Immaculate Room? I mean, you know, it's funny. We thought this often. And I think that like, I think Emil and I probably were very much like Kate and Mikey where um, I, I would have said, absolutely. You know, I, I, like super confidently, like, what do you mean? Like, that's so easy. 50 days in a one room. Okay, fine. You're going to have some like weird moments for sure. But like, what is it? All you have to do is be in a space. Like who can't do that? That's, you know. Um, but as we went through the movie and we shot it for, uh, I think it was like three weeks. And, um, so it was like half the time that, you know, let's just say 21 days. It was like less than half the time that they were meant to be in the room. And it was, it was rough and we were able to go home. You know what I mean? Like we were able to go home and see people and, and it was pretty psychologically, um, challenging. So I don't know. I mean, there's also the element, obviously, the sort of like slightly sci-fi psychological element of like the room itself, which like it plays on things in such a like demented, wild way that I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I could handle that element of it. You know, if you were to ask me like, oh, could you stay in like one space for 50 days and not have it like mess with you? I'd ask if I could have some good books, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, if it were this room and like how it messes with, you know, individuals in this way, I don't know. I don't know. It's a really, it's a really hard thing to, to answer. Sure. Um, what about a treat? If you were to take a treat, what would you want for your treat? Uh, it, it would be a book. It would be a really, really book, good book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I, ha if I had to endure, you know, time I like I I can pretty much endure any anything if I I'm such an avid reader so if I if I had like a really great long book <laughs> I think that would probably be my biggest treat mm -hmm. or All someone right. I love I would imagine I'd be there with someone I love so <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know so so I that that's the first thing obviously but if it were like if that weren't an option it would probably be a, you know, a make-believe world that I could dive into. <laughs> I think after watching the movie, I think I would just want like actual food, you know? <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. But usually the treat is only like one thing. So it's like, right, do you choose right. one meal and just like, you know, torture yourself with the, <laughs> with the, the teas? What would you take, food? I don't know. Like I, I after, if it was like after so many days, I, I think like a slice of pizza would just be yeah. like heaven at that <laughs> no, point. I know. <laughs> I know it would be, it, you'd have to go pizza. You'd have to go pizza at that point. Right. Uh, so I want to uh, 
touch on a little bit, uh, a few more questions uh, dealing with uh, a bit more of your horror career. So um, obviously you're no stranger to, to horror films as you filmed quite a few. Um, so do you have a particular one that sticks out to you or a memory or story from a, a particular set? Oh gosh. Um, okay. Wait, can you give me, give me like, give me a list. <laughs> give me, give me, sure. give me a short list. So, I mean, I'll say like, so one of my personal favorites is, um, the remake of straw dogs because remakes are so hard to, um, pull off, especially mm -hmm. in the horror genre. Um, but I felt that one just like kept with like just the grittiness mm -hmm. of the, of the original, um, so I mean, that one is definitely a favorite of mine. Um, before I wake, I also really enjoyed, um, trying to, now you put me on the spot. I'm trying to, <laughs> I know. well, I mean, <laughs> this is, it shows you, I'm, oh. I'm only, I'm only putting you on the spot because it's show it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm privatizing how terrible my memory is. Is that, that's <laughs> the honest answer. <laughs> so I, I got to throw out one more because I feel like this movie is highly uh, underrated and I don't uh -huh. hear a lot of people talk and I don't hear a lot, a lot of people talk about it. And that is the domestics. Oh, I love the out. domestics. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's such an, it makes such an amazing director. Um, mm -hmm. Gosh, he's the type of filmmaker where I read that script and I thought this is, like a visionary. This is a guy who has like an incredible handle on the world that he's envisioned. And, and then when I got to know him more, I just thought, oh, he's going to do something really interesting. There's a little like Mad Maxi kind of feeling to it, yeah. um, which I love. Uh, I'm such a huge fan. Um, and, and it was that, yeah. Oh gosh. It was just so crazy. I remember that experience. I remember specifically like the costumes were wild, like those like weird, like dog heads. Do you remember that? Like they had, they yeah. had like animal heads and they were so incredibly crafted. I remember like there's, there was a scene where, um, Tyler, Tyler Hoechlin was, um, my co-star in that movie. And he and I kind of get in this like weird fight with, that the, these for lack of a better description like kind of like tr tribal gang members who are wearing these like insane like animal heads like almost taxidermied animal heads and the actor who was who was who had this dog head and this dog head has this like huge snout you know it's like like a, like a foot and a half long you know and they're hard they're like taxidermied so they're not soft um and I, I moved a certain way and the actor moved a certain way. And it was the only black eye I've ever had in my life. <laughs> this dog snout. It was the weirdest. Like I, I felt it. I felt if anyone's had a black eye, they'll know what I mean. It's like, you feel the pop. Like you're like, Oh my God, like something terrible just happened to my face. And um, sure enough, I had like a big black eye and I thought, well, that's kind of a crazy story. You know, I don't know how many people have had like a gigantic dog head, give them, <laughs> give them a black eye. Um, but I love making that movie. I love Mike as a filmmaker. Tyler is so sweet. And it was cool. It was sort of like, I'm sure they felt the similar way. Like, like I remember, like I love A Quiet Place and I'm sure they sort of, it's like sort of a similarity in that world where yeah. you do, you do feel like just incredibly like engrossed by that world. And so you know, um, like not, not so dissimilarly uh, in other very different movies, but like, I felt very engrossed in the Immaculate Room, you know, like it was like nothing else existed when we were there. And, um, in doing the domestics, it felt similar. Like it was just a world, it was its own world. And, um, we were able just to kind of sink into it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I loved making straw dogs. I think Rod Laurie was the director on that movie. And I think he did such an amazing job because, you know, remaking, you know, you're looking at, 
remaking, you know, the, the, the work of a masterful filmmaker, you know, of Sam Peckinpah. So, and, and, you know, actors like Dustin Hoffman, I mean, it's, it's a tall order. Um, and I just, yeah. I love the way I love, I really love the way he visualized that movie. I loved the cinematography. It felt he and I talked a lot about the, um, and we shot in Shreveport, um, Louisiana. So we talked and like, I feel like it was, I want to say it was in August. It was just horrific. And we talked a lot about using, like really utilizing that heat as just the oppressive um, external factor that obviously there's like a lot of oppression happening within the, you know, the situation of the characters, but this like it inescapable humidity, this inescapable heat. And I, I just remember like asking people to constantly keep like wetting me down. So I just looked like sweaty and just very like, you know, almost like strangled by this, this element. Um, and I just, I loved, I really like loved how, how Rod um, handled that movie. I thought he had a very, very deft hand. Um, I yeah. loved working with James, loved working with Alex. It just the kind, truly like the kindest people on that movie. So, and, and I feel really lucky because obviously my character goes through some pretty horrific things. Yeah. Um, that, that, that sticks out, obviously it's like one of the most infamous rape scenes in any movie uh, in history. And, and it was just like, I mean, Alex is such a like gentle, he plays all these like crazy, like abusive wild characters in his career, but he's like one of the kindest, most like gentle, gentlemanly, um, intelligent, just vulnerable, like wonderful, wonderful people I've ever met. So I felt like I, and, and very protected. Like I felt very protected by him and by um, all the actors on the movie and very safe. So um, yeah, I've, I, there's, I, I've, and, and before I wake is another, you know, um, Mike Flanagan who, you know, he's, he's now done a lot of big things, um, yeah. but he's someone who really creates his own worlds as well, you know, and um, another movie we shot in the South and, um, I, I love my favorite thing about that movie was the sort of surprise, the the element of surprise with the sort of magical realism. Um, and you know, I, I I don't know how many people have seen. I know a lot of people love this movie, but I, I I hope they love it for the same reason that I did, which is there's so many great horror elements to it. But the the sort of like you peel back the onion and like you realize like the surprise and the reveal of the end. I think is like so. Um, there's like such a heartwarming element to it as well. And those are, those are kind of my favorite movies. You know, when you're like, you have all the elements that you love, the cinematic, cinematic elements that you love. And I love horror as we spoke about, but when you have, when you get, when you get to like the real, like the core of something and, it, and, and it's like, oh, but it's because, you know, it's, it's because love prevails or it's like, oh, because it's so important. You know, I love dark crystal, for example, as a kid, you know what I mean? Or like never ending story. And like, when you have like all those sort of like magical realism, magical elements and yes, horror, but like, I, those are my favorite types of movies when all those things kind of work together really seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow. Kate, I, I mean, I could literally sit here and talk to you like all day about oh, me too. And horror movies. Um, it, it, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. We are running out of time, unfortunately. So I got to ask, obviously horror podcast. So I got to ask you last question, favorite horror movie of all time. What do you got? Oh, man, that's I, I knew you were about to ask me that. And I was like, oh, God, I should have prepared for this. Um, God, that's such a tough question. Um, I think I probably get the most scared still. And 
Oh, this is such a tough one. I'm just going to rattle up a few. I, I okay. still, I still get like really scared from the exorcist. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's yeah. like, if I'm really purely going to go for like, I want to be scared on Halloween and I love watching the classics on Halloween and I, and I love Halloween, for example, I, you know, I, I but, but the exorcist, there's something about that. All those, you know, the, the religious elements and like all of it is just so crazy. Um, I, 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 I love watching Silence of the Lambs still. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's just to me like um, masterful cinema at its best. Um, my boyfriend and I just rewatched Jaws. I haven't seen in many, 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 many years. And, and, and my God, the way that those credits open and it's like just the, you know, and you're just like, just how amazing that a movie can have like two beats Right. Two musical beats and you're scared shitless already. You know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> um, but I know I'm missing so, so many. I mean, there's so many like the original Let the Right Ones in. I mean, there's so many great um, uh, uh, European horrors as well that I'm, um, yeah. that I'm, that I'm missing. But I, those are just a few of the top of my head. Awesome. Perfect. How about uh, you? What's your favorite? Ah, uh, The Shining. The Shining is my all time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the, it's the so great. Yeah. The Exorcist too, like, yeah. Top three would be The, the Shining, The Exorcist, and Halloween. Like, those are just the yeah. three that just hit it for I, me. Halloween, yeah. by the way, I mean, the, the, people underestimate, like, they can often underestimate music, but I mean, what a great, like, example, you know, there's this, like, I don't think anyone does it better than horror. You know, when you really nail yeah. the musical elements of horror, it's just like the hair stand up on, on your body. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween uh, has our, that too. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, Kate, once again, could talk to you all day, but unfortunately our time is up. Um, before I let you go, is there any, obviously everyone go check out the Immaculate Room coming out this week, but other than that, is there anything else you'd like to promote or where our listeners can uh, follow you? Um, where can they follow me? I would, do you mean like in the, uh, in the cyber like world? Like social medias. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, should I give my home address? No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, it's just, I, I'm usually just, uh, I, I, I'm usually on Instagram. I, you know, it's so funny. I was just thinking about this today, Joe. I'm, it's just my name. It's at Kate Bosworth, but I've been such a terrible Instagrammer recently. And I think that so much of it is because I, like having these lovely conversations with you, you know, and just like living in the world has been, or like watching great movies or, you know, it's just been a little bit more appealing than the cyber world recently. But, um, but if, if I'll be dabbling in and out. So if you, if you, if you want to see what's, what's going on every now and then you can just see, see me on Instagram. Perfect. Well, Kate, it's been a pleasure and hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you. And you take care. Kate, if you're ready to go, we'll jump right into it. Yeah, oh my God, look at your background. How cool. <laughs> yeah, thank so you. So have you always, I'm going to start interviewing you. Have you always just sure. loved horror? 
Uh, I yeah yeah I have it's it's been a uh, it was it started very young in, in my childhood first horror movie I ever watched was Child's Play and I just mm-hmm. ever since it's just been an, an obsession pretty much you know I've always it's funny you'd never probably think this about me I, I don't really I never know what people think about me it's kind of a funny thing to consider but um, I have always loved horror and I was Good. like the I was like the weird little girl that would like make my parents if we were driving anywhere like stop whenever I saw a cemetery and like I'd have to get out and explore it and I was just fascinated I still am um and I just loved I'm a kid of the 80s so I was watching like the blob and like you know of course all the classic classic exorcist ones but I just love those you know invasions invasion of the body snatchers like all those like old school like wonderful classic movies I just I've always been obsessed with Oh, awesome. Well, let, well let, we'll talk a little bit about it right now. Well, okay, let's go. Let's do <laughs> yeah, it. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just going to do my, I just want to get the intro in. That's all. That's not the intro? Uh, no, no, I'm doing, no, I got, <laughs> I, I got a little, I got a little intro, intro written up right now. No, I'm just, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a hundred, I'm, I'm messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, go. Ready? Action. All right. All righty. <laughs> 